Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. I want to share a little bit about my story of how I came to Jesus at a, at a young age. So um, I was raised in a big family. My mom and dad had six kids, and um, there weren't too many families we knew that had six. There was a few that had maybe a little more, so we were considered a big family then. And um, probably about the age of six or seven, I'm not even sure which age I was, um, my mom started taking us kiddos to a little community Bible church right by our house. And I remember learning about Jesus for the first time, and I remember what I felt, and I remember loved me so much, and I remember just feeling that love for him too as well, and just learning about him at the church. And uh, you remember if any of you were raised in church, of course I wasn't, and they would tell the story. It was now we have videos and technology, but back then that was our video technology, right? And it was really cool, and they'd put the, the, the figures on the thing, and they would tell this story. And I just remember learning about Jesus that way. And um, so that went on for probably about a year or a year and a half of my life that I, I went to this little church and learned about Jesus and just loved it. I couldn't wait to get to Sunday school. And then all of a sudden, we just stopped going. And I never knew why. I mean, I didn't until I was older. Um, and we just stopped going. But I remembered that I fell in love with Jesus for the first time. And I understood who he was to me in my life. And I remember one time when I was um, after this, after, I remember being in the bathtub taking a bath. And I just started crying out to God. And I just started praying to Jesus the best that I knew how. And I remember this overwhelming presence of God coming over me. It's like God just came down and he just wrapped me up in his arms. And I felt what I know now was the spirit in the presence of God that I had never felt before in my life. All by myself. Never even shared it with my family, but I just remember staying there for a long time and just sitting still because I didn't want it to leave. It felt so good, and I loved it so much. And so fast forward, I go on to growing up and going through my teenage years, and um, I, was, I was not a church girl. Let me tell you, I was not even close to the church. <laughs> and so there was no boundaries. There was no rules, pretty much, and I got to do whatever I wanted, which I thought was awesome at the time. And so I got involved in a lot of things and was a party girl. And when I became pregnant, um, I was in college, and um, when we got married and I got pregnant with Haley, our first child, um, all of a sudden it just hit me that, oh my gosh, we are responsible for this soul. It's not just us, like we can do our own thing and do what we want, you know, but when you become responsible for babies, it changes your whole outlook and aspect on life, and so now... Uh, Bobby and I looked at each other and we're like, we're responsible for raising this child the right way. And, and, and we're responsible for that. We knew enough to know that we were responsible even for their salvation as a child. And so that's time in our lives. And let me tell you, God saved us so radically because we were so radical for the world. I guess God had to do it this way for us. He saved us so radically. We walked into a church 
And it was a little Pentecostal church. And when I walked in that church, I felt that presence of God again that I felt as a little girl that I had never felt before. And I felt it again. And I said, this is what I felt when I was all alone with Jesus in my bathroom at seven years old. And it was the presence of God. It was the spirit of God. And I, uh, we, you know, like I said, it was just a radical experience for us how we came to Jesus. And we completely and totally surrendered our lives to him. And there was no looking back, right, babe? When that happened, there was no looking back. And then we went on to have, of course, more children. But God did so many amazing things for us through that time and in the church and how we grew in the church and how the Spirit of God taught us himself and how the Spirit of God uh, showed us how to walk this walk that we couldn't walk on our own because how many of you know it's not by might or strength, it's by the power of the Spirit of God. It's only by the Spirit of God that we are able to walk this faith walk that we were walking and I needed that power. I needed that spirit. So as an adult, I found myself starting to pray for my own mama, the one that first took me to church, the one that first took uh, where I learned about Jesus. It was all because my mom. And I also found this out later on in life, too, that my mom stopped going to church because it was just too much of a fight for her. It was too hard. My dad gave her, and I love my daddy, my dad gave her a hard time about it. And so she just said the fight was just too much. So you moms that come and you bring your kids and you have resistance at home, I commend you. I commend you. God is sowing little seeds in your children's hearts in that little Sunday school in that children's church over there. God is sowing seeds in their hearts right now. And so it was because of my mom that I found Jesus, and I credit God never, ever left her. God was always there. He never left my mom. She just found her way back to him. And God is not hiding from you if you have walked away, but he's waiting on you. That's what God does. He waits on us. He's a gentleman. He will never force himself on us. Amen? And so it's never too late. You're never too far gone. And God in his great mercy is pleased in whatever state that you're in that you would call on him. But it was in the church that I was encouraged and refreshed and strengthened to walk this faith walk, this new journey, this thing that we were on that was so different than the, the lifestyle that we lived before and the way that we even grew up. So different. But I learned through the church how to walk with God. And just like we experience a natural birth, we also can experience a spiritual birth that transforms us, that changes us from the inside out. It gives us a hope and a future. And it, not only that, the most important thing, it guarantees our eternal salvation. We have eternal life through a spiritual birth experience through Jesus. So our first birth is natural, and our second birth is spiritual. Our natural birth is temporal, and our spiritual birth is eternal. But what I want to talk to you this morning about is about the gift of leaving a legacy. The gift of leaving a legacy. I've got three questions I want to pose, and one is, why do we need the church? What is the purpose of the church and why did God establish the church are my three questions this morning. 
about leaving a legacy. So if we look at the beginning of time and creation, existence, and we learn that on the sixth day that God created man from the dust of the earth, and then God, it says that he breathed into Adam, the first man, living being. Adam became the first living human. Adam became the first living man. And then I want to read this from Genesis 2, and I'm going to start with this scripture. And it's talking about Eve, his wife. We all know about Adam and Eve, right, in creation. But listen to this. It says this in uh, Genesis 2 and 21, if you're following along. And the Lord God caused the deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, Adam, he in the next chapter. And it says this, that, and Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Adam, Eve, the mother of all living, the first father and mother of all creation, right? So if you understand the Bible, you understand that there's the Old Covenant and then there's the New Test, the old, uh, new Covenant. Also, if you have a Bible, it usually says Old Testament, New Testament. And if you understand that the Old Testament, the Old Covenant was under the law, okay, and it's a foreshadowing, it's a type and shadow of what was to come when Jesus Christ came into this world, which was in the New Testament. So we've got the Old Testament, we've got the New Testament that starts with the Gospels, with the story of Jesus, right? So whenever Jesus came into the world, Jesus, he, he didn't abolish the law, but he fulfilled the law and the scripture, okay? So he fulfilled everything. He was from the beginning of time. And I'm going to get to that in a, in a moment. But when Jesus came, when Jesus came, he did away with the law and the old covenant. And he established what's called a new covenant with his people, okay? So he came and he broke tradition. And you know, you know what Jesus went through? He was persecuted and killed by the Jewish leaders, by the religious people, by, the, 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 by Israel, by, by the people of God. He was killed by his own people so, because he came and broke tradition. And they were angered about that. But this is why. God saw that men were evil in their hearts. And he saw that rituals and religion were only acts of service, but that it didn't change the heart of man. There were only a few men, some uh, prophets in the Old Testament and the old um, the prophets of God in the Old Testament that were even found righteous by God on the earth. But he had to make, God had to make a way of escape for us. So where the blood of goats and lambs in the Old Testament uh, could not redeem us no longer, God had to send the second or the last Adam. Okay, Jesus is called the second or the last Adam. If you don't uh, believe that? Let's go to 1 Corinthians 15, and let's read about that. It says this in 1 Corinthians, and this is Paul writing to the Corinthian church, and it says, and so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, the second Adam, became a life giver, and afterward, the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is of the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. All of us in here, right? As creation, in a natural form, we were conceived and, and we were born into this earth and we live here in this earth. 
And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. So the second Adam they're speaking here of, Paul is speaking here of, is Jesus. And what Paul is trying to point out here is the difference between two kinds of bodies, the, spiritual, uh, the natural and the spiritual, the flesh and the spiritual, the, the, the natural and the heavenly, however you want to say it. He's trying to decipher between the two that we're born of the flesh, but we also have a spiritual being that needs to be born again as well. So there's a natural birth that everyone in this earth experiences, and there's also a spiritual birth that God desires for everyone to experience. So Paul tells us in verse 46 that the natural came first, and after that, the spiritual came. People have natural life first. They're born into this world. We live. We live our life. But we're not only here just to do that. God desires for us to, to obtain a spiritual life. And Paul is telling us that the natural man, Adam, came first on this earth and was made from the dust of the earth. While, while that's true, Christ existed from the beginning of time as well. He came from heaven, though, to earth many years after Adam. And Christ came as a baby with a body like all of us as a human, but he did not originate from the dust of the earth as Adam did because he came from heaven. So he, Jesus, was God and man, okay? He had a natural mother, but he had a spiritual father, Okay, so he was God and man. John 1 and 14 says, And the word became flesh, and it dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That was Jesus. He became, the word became flesh, and he dwelt among us. That's how he can understand us. That's why he understands when we hurt. That's why he understands the pain and anything that we may go through in this life. He's already experienced it all. And he experienced it all on the cross for you and for I. And he did it all for us when he didn't have to do it at all. And so we see that creation began with Adam and Eve, and we're all born naturally. I think we got that point across. Into this world through conception of a mother and a father. But just as there is a natural birth, we all experience there is a spiritual birth that we can experience through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There is a spiritual birth that takes place, place through all of those things that Jesus endured for you and I. And the Bible says that there is only one mediator between God and man, truth and the life. So because of one man's disobedience, we experience death. And because of one man's obedience, we get to experience eternal life. The keys of death, hell, and the grave. Thank you, Jesus. The first Adam brought spiritual death, and the second Adam brought spiritual life. Where the first Adam brought condemnation, the second Adam brought justification, just as if you never did it before. And the first Adam brought destruction for us all, and the second Adam uh, Jesus brought restoration and the free gift of life. How many of you are thankful for the free gift of life in this place? Thank you, Jesus. All became sinners through one man's disobedience and through one man's obedience, Jesus, we are made righteous through his blood. So what the first Adam lost, Jesus regained. Yes, amen. And we all came to earth naturally through birth. 
But because of Adam, the first Adam, but through Christ, the second Adam, we are born again through the spiritual birth, through faith in Jesus. So if you believe in God and you believe uh, the word and you believe the Bible, we have an understanding that salvation comes only through Jesus Christ. I assume that that's what everyone believes in here since you're in here this morning. If not, when you walk out of here, I guarantee you will. Because <laughs> I know God is getting a hold of every one of us in this place. And so we understand the body of our church. It's called the bride. But out of the body of Christ, he was given a bride as well. It's called the church. It's called the bride of Christ. And just like Adam's rib was taken from his side for Eve to come into this world, Jesus was pierced on his side for the church, his bride, to come into the world. Yes. When he was on the cross and they speared him and they pierced him in his side, what came out? Water and blood. And it says in the Bible that three bear witness in heaven, the, the spirit, the blood, and the water. And so we see um, in our second thought, was, is that God had made and established his covenant with Abraham and Sarah. So when he established that covenant, the new covenant church was formed out of that promise. If you know the story about Abraham and Sarah, how many of you know the story about Abraham and Sarah? And you know that Sarah was barren and she couldn't have children. And, and um, God had promised, though, Abraham that he would give him, uh, uh, that nations would be born out of him, that kings would be born out of him. But yet his wife was barren and could not bear children. And so Sarah in her discouragement, because she was an old lady and it still had not happened, um, she told her husband, Abraham, why don't you just take my, my, my uh, slave, why don't you just take my bondservant, Hagar, to be your wife and let her bear children for you? And, and Abraham fell into that and he did it in his flesh. He fell into that. And Hagar, the bondwoman or the, the slave girl, she had a baby and they named her Ish, him Ishmael a little boy. And then years later, they were reminded about the promise that God had given them. And Sarah laughed when she heard that she was going to conceive a son at the age of 90 years old. Can you imagine moms, grandmas, or great-grandmas in here at 90 years old? And I probably would have laughed too, right? And so she, uh, sure enough, it was 13 years after Ishmael was born that she conceived Isaac. But see, God's hand, them, that he made his covenant with Isaac, not Ishmael. God made his covenant with Isaac, okay? Because Isaac was born out of a promise, out of the spiritual, but Ishmael was born out of the flesh. Ishmael was born out of the natural, but Isaac, see, there's a lot of symbolism in the Bible. There's a lot of metaphors in the Bible. So you've got to understand Old Testament, New Testament to understand all the types and the shadows. But in other words, God was saying there was that old covenant was with, with Ishmael under the law. But I'm going to establish my covenant under Isaac, the promised child. I'm going to tie this all in together. It's coming together in a little bit. So Genesis 17, it says this, I will make you exceedingly fruitful. He's talking to Abraham, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you, and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to, be God to you and your descendants after you, he says. 
And then in Galatians 4, so we're going to hop on into the New Testament, the New Covenant, okay? Galatians 4, to tie this in, it, uh, we see Paul speaking to the Galatian church. And it's a letter to the church in Galatians. And he's saying this regarding the Old and New Covenant. Paul writes this, For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid, by a slave girl, Hagar, the other by a free woman, by Sarah, his wife. But he who was of the bondwoman, Ishmael, was born after the flesh, the natural. But he of the free woman, Isaac, was by promise, the spiritual. Which things are an allegory, for these are the two covenants, two covenants. The one from Mount Sinai, which genders to bondage, which is Hagar. Now Hagar, Hagar stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem, speaking of the natural Jerusalem, at that time, the land of Jerusalem, because she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, which is the mother of us all. Can you say that? The mother of us all. Jerusalem, understand Jerusalem above is free, but is the mother of us all. So what's happening is Paul is writing to the Galatian church, and, and there's a struggle that's happening in the, uh, with the new believers in Christ in that new covenant church after Jesus came and we're now walking in the dispensation of grace and not under the law. They were having trouble with their identity wanting to go back under the law, some of them were being encouraged to go back under the law. And so they weren't taking Jesus and his sacrifice and his crucifixion and everything that he did to fulfill the law and walk in that grace anymore. They were trying to take back things under the law. So let me just go back to Galatians 4. Maybe this will better explain it. Galatians 4 and 28. It says, was born according to the flesh. Remember, Isaac was born of the slave woman, Hagar, of the flesh, of the natural. Then persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, which was Isaac, even so it is now. He's saying, even now that is taking place right now. Nevertheless, what does the scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of, of the free. So Paul is speaking from a new covenant experience that he had. And when he's sharing the allegory from Galatians about Abraham's two wives and, and the two sons that were born through them, Isaac and Ishmael, Paul sets out to use scripture to show the difference between being born into slavery by human effort, by human will, by the natural, as opposed to be born, being born into freedom by the work of God and by the work of the Holy Spirit. So the natural and the spiritual. So Ishmael was born into slavery as Abraham's son, but he was cast out when the child becomes pointless when Christ arrived. And those who trust in him become children of promise by God's power now. So we see Isaac... God said, with Isaac, I've established my covenant. He did not say he established his covenant with Ishmael, the one born in the natural or the human effort. He established it with Isaac, the one that was born out of a spiritual promise. And Abraham's wife, Sarah, was barren until the birth of Isaac. But Paul recognized that she was the type of a, the church, and her bondwoman, Hagar, represented the earthly Jerusalem. So he recognized 
that, that she was a type of the church. So Hebrews 3 says that we need to exhort each other daily. What is, that's what we do inside the church. That's how we encourage each other. That's what the church is for. The church is made to nurture, to love. The church is made to teach. The church is made to encourage in love. That's what the body of Christ is. That's what the church is supposed to do. And um, to lift each other up, to nurture each other, to disciple each other, to love each other, to forgive each other, and to seek and to save the lost. Say, I am the church. I am the church. And God uses the church to save and seek the lost. Galatians 3 and 26 says this, For you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For as many of you as were baptized in Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Did you get that? You are Abraham's seed. You, it's a spiritual birth experience. When you come to Jesus, he doesn't leave you the same. You are born again into the kingdom of God. Everything about you is going to change. You're not going to be the same person that you were before. But people are born again in the church of God. Okay? Uh, Nicodemus, let me give you this. In John 3, it's Nicodemus, who was a ruler of the Jews and was a very educated Pharisee uh, of the law, he comes to Jesus at night. I'll just read it. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So he was watching Jesus and he was seeing the signs and the miracles. And he was hearing of Jesus' teaching. So he knew that, that, that God was with him. He just didn't understand who got the God inside of him just yet. So Jesus, when he's, tell, when he's telling Jesus these things, Jesus answers him and says to him this. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, to Nicodemus, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. The natural is natural by human effort. And that this is talking. He must be born again. He's telling this religious man, this Jew, this Pharisee of the law, that he needs to be born again. That he needs to be born of the water and the spirit. He's telling him. And then he goes on to say, Jesus says, the wind blows where it wishes. And you hear this, so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. If you look up that word sound, in the Greek translation, it means phone, and it means language. Everyone, you can't hear, you don't know where it's coming from, but you will hear the sound of it, it says. So look that up. Study your Bible. Look in the, in the Strong's Concordance. Look up sound in the Greek translation of that. It means phone, and it means language. So remember that we established Paul was speaking as an allegory that the church is the mother of us all spiritually. 
What happens when a baby is naturally born? The water breaks and the baby receives its breath. When a baby is born, the, wa- the mother's water breaks and the baby receives its breath. But where and how are people spiritually born? Where and how? They're born in the womb of the church. They're born in the womb of the church. The church is where people are birthed. And when they break the waters of baptism, they become new creations in Christ. All things have passed away. And the word of God says, behold, all things become new. You're not going to be the same. They're now covered by the blood. When you've been baptized and you've taken on the name of Jesus, you're now covered by the blood of Jesus when you take on his name. And the church is where people are born again when they are filled with the Spirit of God and they are given the breath of God. Born again. Everyone say born again. The church is where where travail happens for the sons and the daughters of God that need to be born again. Intercessors, mamas, don't stop praying. Don't stop believing. Don't stop agreeing. Don't stop interceding. Don't stop standing in the gap. No one can pray like a mama can pray. And God is faithful to answer your prayers. Not just mamas, but children. Children pray. If you're here and your parents aren't saved, pray for your children. Pray for your children. God is faithful. Romans 8 and 11 says, But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, if that spirit dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit that dwells in you. First Peter 1 and 22, seeing you have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the spirit and to feign the love of the brethren, being born again, not of corruptible seed, not by human effort, not by, by natural means, but, by, uh, but of incorruptible, which means by the spirit, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Amen. And my next point is this, the importance of leaving a legacy. And that's what I want to end with, the importance of leaving a legacy, mamas. We often say that the only thing that we can take with us to, uh, to heaven is our family. We're not going to see a U-Haul behind. Uh, you never see it. And all the things you worked so hard for and all the time and the energy that you put into it, the only thing you can take to heaven is your children and take your family. That's the only thing that you can, but it's for setting something up for the future. Leave a legacy for your, uh, your children, for your grandchildren. And let me give you some godly advice that I learned and myself being a mom Teaching your kids to have a personal relationship with God while they're young. Whether they stay or whether, whether they go, they will always know. Train up a child in the way they should go. Even when they're old, they will not depart. That means they might leave for a while, but they're, God's got their number. It's like those babies are marked by God for life. They're so important to surrender and give that baby to God at a, at a young age. They're marked for life, and God will always be there. Another thing is this. Teach them what a balanced, healthy relationship with God looks like while they are still in your care. Okay? That means rules without relationship, are, they lead to rebellion. So you have to have a balance of truth and grace in your home for those children. That's just some wisdom to throw out there, some nuggets of wisdom to throw out there. So not until, though, your loved one's last moments come do you realize how surreal and how short life is 
The Bible says that life is like a vapor and that it's gone in just a moment it's gone. So how we live our life matters. Who we reach matters. How we love God and others around us matters. Jesus' greatest act of service was when he was on the cross for you and I, when he took upon every sin in every way. That was the greatest act of service that God could have ever done by sending his only son. It was love that crept him on the cross. He didn't have to, but he did for you and for I. And the Bible says there's no greater love that no man has than to lay down his life for another. And that's what Jesus did for every single one of us. And if you've never experienced the love of God or the presence of God or the power of God, now is the time to say yes and experience all that he has for you. I mean, why wait? Why wait? It's free. It's a free gift. And God wants us to feel like he's like, look, I got more for you. I got more for you. Don't stop right there. It's a free gift of salvation. He wants us to be born again of the water and of the spirit to give us the power to walk this walk and live this life. Amen. Amen. So no part of my past could hold me back from part of my future and God's plan for my life. And God can break generational curses and and establish new generational blessings. Legacy, that's legacy. Breaking generational curses and establishing generational blessings into our family, into our children, into our children's children. That's legacy. To forgive us of all of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Oh, God, you're so good. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. And so I want to close with this and tell you a little bit about what happened with my mom and all the prayers that I prayed. You know, the Bible talks about Cornelius sending up a memorial of prayer. That means don't stop praying. It's like there's a memorial of prayers that are going up to heaven that God is hearing and God is seeing. Then I did it for years and years, for 20 almost 20 years. I prayed like that for my mom, and I believed for my mom. And at the age of 71, my mom came to me, and she said, Dawn, I want to fully surrender my life, and I want to get baptized. I want to give my heart to Jesus. And at 71, my mom was baptized by her grandson, uh, as she wished. And she came up out of that water. I got to witness that of God. She was born again, and I got to witness that. I got to witness that. So I credit my mom for my salvation, and that's where I learned as a child about Jesus. That's where I learned. So, kids, if your mom, if you, your mom has a, uh, if you have a drug problem because your mom drug you to church, <laughs> don't complain about it. It's a special thing because not everyone has that. Not every child is is able to go and learn in the house of God like that. So, you know, as your parents age, those of us that are older, you realize that a lot of times the roles reverse. And now sometimes it happens so that maybe you might be the one feeding them or you might be the one changing their diapers. And so in that case, it happened with me. My role with my mom, it reversed physically in the natural, but it also reversed in the spiritual because the one who first led me to Jesus, my mom, I was so blessed that I was able to lead her back to Jesus. 
I was able to lead her back to Jesus. Don't stop praying, kids. Don't stop praying for your moms. Don't stop praying. So our roles reversed in the natural and the spiritual, but I credit my mom for my salvation. Because of her, I was introduced to Jesus at a young age. And the greatest gift, and this is what I want you to leave you with, the greatest gift you can ever give your children is the gift of salvation. Because nothing else, they're not going to be able to, you're not going to take anything else with you but your family. And you don't realize it until that time comes and you, you lose someone close to you and you realize, my God, this life is like a vapor, just like that. But we have security in eternity when we are born again of the water and of the spirit that we're going to see each other again. And so... My last moments with my mom, I'm going to share their little personal, but God told me to do it. Um, my last moments with my mom before she passed away at the age of 73, um, I was with her at the hospice facility, and um, she was unconscious by then, and I was so tired from just the whole day, and it came midnight or so, and I, I told God, I can't keep my eyes open anymore, God. I'm so tired. But I don't want to fall asleep in her past. I want to be there for her. I want to see her last breath, and I want to kiss her, and I want to tell her my final goodbye. And I'm sure in the morning, I fell asleep. I did talk. I talked to God and told him all those things. I fell asleep at 2 o'clock in the morning. I felt this holy presence of God, which I knew what it was because of experiencing it, came into the room while I was holding my mom's hand. I was crashed out for, I guess, a couple hours sleeping hard, didn't ever hear anything, but all of a sudden felt this holy presence come over me that woke me up, and I still had my eyes closed, and I told my stepdad, I called him Pops, I said, Pops, God is in the room, and mom's about to go to heaven, I just knew it, because I knew God was faithful to answer my prayer, he woke me up, and I got to kiss on my mom, and I got to tell her my final goodbye, and I got to say, Mom, this is not a goodbye. I'll see you soon. I'll see you in heaven, and she took her last breath. Within 30 seconds of waking up, it's just, it was a 30-second. It was so fast, but God gave me that moment and allowed me to have that with her, but I had that assurance in knowing because I didn't stop praying, because I didn't stop believing, so I'm going to see her again one day, and one way you can honor your mother is by giving your life to Jesus Christ. The Bible says that all of heaven rejoices when one sinner comes to repentance. And if your mom is in heaven like my mom is into the pearly that Jesus amen. So honor mother and honor the price that Jesus paid for the church for you. You are the church. Jesus paid the price for you. Honor that that he gave you. So just as our physical mother helps us, clothes us, nurtures us, and feeds us, so does the church, the body of spirit-filled believers. That's what the church is. It is this new Jerusalem. It's the new covenant. It is the spirit-filled believers. And this is a place, the church, it's where we grow in God. It's, and the church has done so much for us compared to what we've done for the church. Amen. And my last closing is this, which I absolutely love, is that we aren't spiritually orphans anymore, but we are now 
the sons and daughters of the Most High God. We have been adopted into the kingdom of God, and you're not alone. You're never alone. You're adopted into the kingdom of God, our Abba Father. Our Abba Father loves you so much, and not only that, but did you, did you also gained another family. When you come to Jesus and you're born again into the womb of the church, you gain a spiritual family, a spiritual family there that's there to love you, a spiritual family that's there to nurture you, a spiritual family that's there to help you grow in God, a spiritual family that's there like when you fall to pick you back up, not to condemn you, not to judge you. relationship that says, hey, you're going to make it. You're going to come out of this. God is greater inside of you than he that's in the world. God's going to help you out of that situation. I'm here for you. God's going to help you out of that situation, sister. He loves you so much. You're not alone. I'm here for you. That's what the church is supposed to do. That's what the church is supposed to do. Amen. So we're not alone. Say, I am not alone. I have Jesus everywhere I go. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Can you all stand to your feet? I just want to close with this. I want to take this opportunity to, if anyone's here and you just want to, um, you need to rededicate your heart, your life to Jesus again. I just don't want to pass up that opportunity for you to take that moment with him right now. And, you know, we're, I'm going to say a blanket prayer, but you pray in your own way. You talk to Jesus from your heart. That's what I like to, to tell people. Talk from your heart. There's nothing that I that you have to repeat that I can say. But if you need help, I'm going to say it. But you just from your heart, tell him that he's Lord over your life. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your presence here, your holy presence, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for all that you did, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for dying on the cross, Lord, for our sins, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that we're covered by your blood now, Lord. We thank you for the spirit of God that gives us life and life eternal, Lord Father. In the name of Jesus, we surrender our hearts and our minds fully and completely to you. And we say, have your way in our lives. We make you Lord over all, Lord. We make you Lord over all. And we surrender to you in this moment. We praise you. Praise and glorify your name in Jesus' name. And everyone say amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.